You're listening to the One Pridecast. Hello and welcome to the One Pridecast presented by MGM Grand Detroit. I'm Tori Petrie. That's Mike O'Hara on the other line. Mike, happy new year to you. This is our last episode of the 2020 season and things, you know, restart uh, for the off season. So, you know, I'm glad you're here with me for one last breakfast time. This is it. <laughs> well, at least for at least for a little bit until we have some more news to talk about, which I think we will pretty dang soon, considering uh, the Lions are on the hunt for a new GM and new head coach. Yeah, I can't imagine the National Football League with any shortage of news, and if there isn't, they'll, they'll find something to <laughs> So I'll stay on high alert at all times. I know. We definitely will have plenty of things to cover this off season. I mean, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, I tweeted about this, you know, after the season ended, you know, we like to take a little bit of a mental break, a little bit of a reset. And, you know, it's this season was one of the craziest ever. And I had the thought cross my mind, oh, I can turn off some of the push notifications on my phone so that, you know, I'm not just always on for work. And I was like, wait a second, I can't do that because I've got to, you know, be on top of things as the lines go through this coaching search and GM search. Absolutely. You don't know exactly which order it's going to be done in, but look, it's, it's part of what makes the national football league what it is. It's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a monster. I'm not saying that in a bad way either, but it's, you know, they get more ratings, they get more views, they get more everything than anybody for a reason. They really do. Well, it will certainly be a busy off season for the Lions. Things are not quiet after the season. As we speak, the Lions are uh, busy interviewing people for that GM job and for that head coaching job. They had quite a few people uh, listed out this week uh, when we talked to Rod Wood and he said, you know, I feel like we've probably got our new GM and our new head coach scheduled to be interviewed. Maybe they would schedule a few more, but they felt like uh, one of their guys was, was on the list already. So, We'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but things move fast, so who knows? By the time this gets posted, we we could have more news. Yeah, you know, and I think I think Rod Wood, if people out there don't know him, he's been the team president now for, I think he took over shortly after the, uh, the in-season firings in, in the 2015 season. And But I think he shed some light on, on the process that time, and I don't think it was as complete as looking back now as he and, and Sheila Ford Hamp, the principal owner, and Martha Firestone Ford at the time, the, the owner. I don't think it was as complete and comprehensive as they as they would as they want it to be this time. I think you know. I think they learned something from that, and I think that'll that'll really help them out. I think they'll be really more proactive in in in, 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 in this time around than they were the last time around. Right. Rod said that the thing that they learned was that they wanted to interview more candidates. They only interviewed three when they hired Bob Quinn. And they wanted to have more people in the room. He said, I think it was it was only him and Bob Quinn in the room when they hired Matt Patricia. So they wanted to have more people in those interviews, more people in those conversations, and they wanted to talk to more people. So that was a start. And we've already, you know, had a list of when Rod talked, there was already seven that they had uh, come out publicly and said, these are the guys that we've talked to for the GM position. So they are keeping their word on that and talking to quite a few people. Uh, Mike, obviously we still have to kind of wait and see how this plays out, but what's your best prediction as to what happens with the head coaching job? Well, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I might be in the minority, but I don't disagree with Rod Wood, what he said, that, that 
don't necessarily have to hire the general manager first and then and then the head coach. You said, look, if there's a good coach out there, we're not going to lose him. We're going to hire him. I'm sort of paraphrasing what he said. And I agree with that. I mean, look, just look around the National Football League. Teams hire general managers all the time when they already have a coach on board. He inherits the coach. And, you know, based on performance and, and so on, that, that can change. I mean, just go back, what was it, six years ago here in Detroit when Bob Quinn gets hired, he inherits Jim Caldwell after two years of nine and seven. You know, in the famous line, nine and seven isn't good enough. I don't know if it's famous, but it's certainly well-remembered in Detroit and around the National Football League. Famous here. Yeah, it was famous here, sort of like us. And, uh, <laughs> like you, Mike. <laughs> well, I'm infamous, not famous. But uh, <laughs> I'm lurking, Tori. I'm lurking. You're bringing and, your best work here for our uh, last 2020 episode. Well, actually, I try to every week, and, and you bring it out of me somehow. But anyway... <laughs> You know, he, he ended up hiring Matt Patricia. And you know what? That just seemed like a fait accompli from the day Bob Quinn walked in the door. Everybody was just kind of thinking, well, when's he going to bring his one of his guys from, from New England here to Detroit? You remember all the comments about, you know, Patriots West and all that stuff, which really sort of turned out to be true. You know, it's, it's, it was a really a heavily New England Patriots influence. And, and Matt Patricia gets hired, you know, to replace Jim Caldwell. And it looked like, you know, a really solid hire, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time. I mean, you talk about he's like any other coordinator steps up to the National Football League head coaching job. Yeah, his resume was fine. It really was. Turned out it didn't work. And I think the mistake that Bob Quinn made was not so much in firing Jim Caldwell and hiring Matt Patricia, but hanging on to him after two years. When it was clear, it wasn't working. And nothing against Matt. I like Matt and I like Bob, but just you know, evaluating it should have should have acted a year earlier. He might still be the general manager. Right. Well, you talk about the Lions saying that they weren't committed to hiring <clears throat> a general manager first. And here's right. the other thing. There are a lot of teams out there that are searching for a new head coach right now. So right. if you have your eyes set on a general manager who's with a playoff team, but you have your eyes set on a head coach who is not – you could miss out on that guy by waiting around to hire your general manager first. So, yeah. you know, and, and even Rod Wood pointed out that they were talking to the GM candidates about who they were looking at for head coach. And they were talking to the GM candidate or the head coach candidates about the same. Yeah. Tori, and you're right. You made a great point there. And I was going to, going to make it and you made it before, before me, look, that's just however many candidates they, they've interviewed for the head coaching job and however many that they've contacted, they haven't interviewed yet. And we don't know about I mean, keep that in mind, too. But let's just say I'm, I'm interviewing you, Tori, to be the general manager of the Detroit Lions, okay? And I say, now, Tori, uh, we really like uh, Tim Twentyman and we really like Mike O'Hara as possible head coach candidates. Would you be comfortable with them? And you'll no. either say yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> he said no. Very quickly. <laughs> well, this is going to be a heck of a show the rest of the way. <laughs> But you understand what I'm saying? Would you be comfortable with them? I mean, yeah, exactly. Not, it, you're not going to hire the general manager, I'm, and then three weeks later, you're going to hire a coach who you never heard of, right? Or, or vice versa. So you would say, would you be comfortable? And I, I doubt that you would say to the head coach, would you be comfortable with so and so as your general manager? Because you're hiring somebody to run all that stuff. But that's that's just that's just part of it. These aren't just you know, 10 second or 10 minute interviews where you check the boxes, sign your name and hit send. And, and, and then, you know, you know, NFL coach search.com. These are comprehensive, 
interviews where there's a lot of, because there's a lot at stake. You know, it's, it's the face of the franchise. As much as the general manager is it back there, he might be the, you know, the guts and the gears and all that. At. It's the head coach you know, out there at that podium five times a week, and six on game day. That's the face of your franchise. Well, certainly a lot of decisions to be made here coming up for the Lions. And I thought it was interesting hearing Rod Wood talk about the things that they were looking for in a new head coach, talking about wanting someone who had clear lines of communication. They wanted someone, uh, you know, who could build uh, the culture here. And certainly Chris Spielman will be part of those conversations as well. That's what they hired him for, to be the assistant to the chairman and president and CEO. So, you know, we'll see how his role plays out with with that new hire. But, Mike, what do you feel like the Lions want to bring in here as their new head coach and new GM? Well, I think it's what Chris Spielman said when we interviewed him. You know, as everybody knows out there, he did a video with us uh, three and out for, I think it was three years. It might have been four. I'm sure on his side, it seemed like forever. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. He didn't come He didn't come here to Detroit. He didn't leave that job at Fox, uh, Fox Sports doing NFL games. He didn't leave that and move to Detroit to be an, uh, an advisor for two months and sit around for 10 and put nothing to do. That's just, that's not Chris. He'd go nuts and everybody around him would go nuts with him. Uh, he's going to be here and he's going to be an important player in that front office. And just speculating ahead and here he's been, been on the job less than a month, but speculating ahead, I wouldn't be surprised if in two or three months he has a very high position in that, in, in, in that franchise, Some, similar maybe to something that John Elway has ascended to in the Denver Broncos and leaving the general manager's position and to, to become whatever he is, team president or something like that. But I just, I, you know, Chris has said they want somebody who's smart. You have to be smart. And, and I agree with that. You know, some people who, you know, somebody who can think, you know, somebody who can put things together, lead people. I mean, and, and if you're going to be a successful in anything, you need leadership. You need vision. You need leadership. You need people who can stand in front of a group and, and, and individually and, and chart out a plan and follow it, but also have enough, uh, self-confidence to if the plan's not working modify it change it and you can't completely scrap it but you've got to have a vision and a plan and an ability to adjust and so as chris says they want people who are smart and i agree with that and they want an inclusive organization they don't want really how the football football operation of the detroit lions really set itself up opposite or not opposite but completely separated from the rest of the franchise and I thought that was a mistake from the beginning. I still do. doesn't mean I hate the people who did it that way. I just never agreed with it. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that shifts inside the building once those new hires are made. BetMGM, an official partner of the Detroit Lions, is coming soon to Michigan. But you can sign up early and get $100 in free sports bets and $100 in free casino bets with bonus code LIONS. Be ready for the action the moment BetMGM goes live. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com to get a total of $200 in free bets with bonus code LIONS. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. I want to turn now to looking back a little bit at this 2020 season. You, me, and Tim got on a virtual video conference this week and kind of broke down uh, each phase of the game for the Lions. The fans can find those on DetroitLions.com. We had offense on Wednesday, defense on Thursday, and special teams 
on Friday. So you can find those videos on DetroitLions.com. But, Mike, I want to look back at the 2020 season with you. What are your biggest takeaways from what was in this last season? Well, my biggest takeaway, Tori, and I've really given this a lot of thought. I really didn't. And I'm surprised that no one else has said it. But to me, the signature moment, well, signature moments, one was with the team, one was the firing of Matt Patricia and and Bob Quinn on the same day after the loss to uh, the Houston Texans on Thanksgiving Day and that picture of, of Sheila Ford Hamp sitting in the, oh, I think she was in the owner's box, wherever they were sitting now under those COVID protocols with her head in her hands. And that said everything to me right there. It really did. That was the end. And, you know, I'm sure she looked at herself and saw that picture and said, what are we doing? Come on. I've had enough. And, and I think she, what she said after that, too, really, to me, resonated with me. As you remember, last December, or last, I think it was last December, December of uh, 2019, as that season was lurching to an end on, you know, four broken tires and a broken axle. And and she said they wanted, they wanted the team to be competitive and play meaningful games in December. And I asked her about that comment at her press conference after the firings of, of Patricia and, and Quinn, and she said, I meant what I said. Guys, pay attention to what the owner says. She means it. She's in it to win it, not just to have some place to go on Sunday with family and friends. They're in it to win it, and she means what she says. But I have a completely different take on the highlight moment of the, of, of the season. And to me, that was during training camp, Tori, when all of a sudden there are no players on the practice field. And it goes on and on and on. And finally find out that the players are discussing social justice issues. Yeah. And Matt Patricia leading it. And the Detroit Lions come out with that big sign that says, we will not, we will not be silenced. I thought the Detroit Lions in that moment took the lead among sports teams in, an, in, in our country on that and and it didn't follow up with anything on the on the field or anything like that but the Detroit Lions were really at that point viewed nationally not just locally in Detroit but nationally as a team that had really taken taken the lead on it and I commend them for that now and I commended that for that them for that then it's too bad that they couldn't follow it up and become a symbol throughout the season but it was a very very moving a period of time, not just if you live in Detroit, but if you saw it anywhere. And to me, that's what I remember as much uh, from the season as anything. Absolutely. And you're right. It was kind of a first move that was made in, in that avenue because shortly after that, the NBA started canceling games. Uh, you know, there was just so much more that happened after that. And that yep. spark kind of started with the Detroit Lions canceling practice that day. Yeah, absolutely, and and there was sort of a, a, a mixed message that they had boycotted practice. No, as a group, this wasn't. You know, look, I've seen the basketball teams walk out on their coach and not play again. This had nothing to do with that. This was unity throughout the organization. I don't, I don't think anybody was against it. Even if the, even if there were prep, there probably were people who didn't agree with it. You're not going to have, you know, a business with you know 300 people or whatever it is that you know, and counting players and coaches and everybody support staff. Not everybody's going to agree with everything, but that certainly, uh, that certainly resonated. And there was just a, not just a thread of unity, but a bond of unity in that franchise. Absolutely. That definitely was a highlight from this season. What were your highlights 
on the field this year, Mike. Someone asked me uh, on Tori's take, you know, what was your favorite moment from this season? And I'll give you my answer after I hear yours. That's not fair. Why <laughs> 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 you do this to me? <laughs> I, my favorite moment, you know, you know what it probably was? This is kind of weird, I think, but it probably was the last game at Ford Field, uh, Lions uh, versus the Minnesota Vikings, and all week we wondered, is Matthew Stafford going to play? Is Matthew Stafford going to play? And there he is out there for the coin flip. You know, they only send one captain out now because of the COVID, uh, you know, social distancing and all that. And there's Matthew Stafford out for the coin flip, bad thumb, bad ribs, and a bunch of other stuff that we probably don't know about. Probably even had a toothache for all I know. But then he, you can see him limp to the sideline and then goes out and plays all every single snap on offense and leads the team in a game where, you know, he could have just sat there at the bench, put his feet up and say, guys, play fast. I got something to do when this is over. And, but he did, that's not him. That's no, not him not. at all. You hear, when you hear people talk about Matthew Stafford in that organization around the national football league and other players who played with him and against him, how highly regarded he is. And that was just, just another moment. So I know talk radio sometimes has a different view. That's good. You know, that's, that's fine. You know, competing thoughts and all that. It's it's fair. It's it's you know it's, it's all it's fair contra, uh, fair you know communication and and all that. But to me, that that was Matthew Stafford again. And and it was was a couple of weeks before that when somebody asked him why he played. And he says he says because it's Sunday and I'm the quarterback of the Detroit Lions. That says everything about him. Yes, I am not surprised that your favorite moment this season was a Matthew Stafford <laughs> moment, Mike. Well, it's been 12 years of it, okay? <laughs> and plus, I like the guy, too. It's, it's, uh, that's, I'm not, I don't feel bad saying that. He's one of my all-time favorite Detroit Lions. Yeah, I would agree. My favorite moment was also a Matthew Stafford moment, and it was the game-winning drive against the Atlanta Falcons. Right, yep. Yeah, I mean, it, that win put the Lions in a really good place. There was a lot of hope for the Lions at that point because it brought them back to the 500 mark and just the way Matthew Stafford led one of his vintage game-winning drives was so much fun to watch and you know just the the last second uh, excitement there in that game that was the highlight of the season for me. Yeah I agree with you and the way it started with that sideline pass to TJ Hawkinson who instead of going out of bounds cuts back and Stafford looks over and just shakes his head like what are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> and then the way it ended, which I love. Look, I love Danny Amendola, okay? He's like, he's probably more fun to be with than anybody in football, okay? But they score the, the, the touchdown pass to Hawkinson to tie it, and there's Danny running around with his helmet off. And, <laughs> and so they've got to kick a 48-yard extra point to win it. I mean, right. I mean, nobody defends the Lions better than the Lions. <laughs> Well, so, if anybody's going to kick a 48-yard extra yep. point to win, it would be Matt Prater. Well, three of the games they won were on his toe on the last play of the game with time running out, either time running out or time out. Right. And he's an amazing guy now. He didn't have his best year, but but he certainly finished it on a high note with that field goal in the last game. His 59th of his career, 50 yards or longer, and that is now the National Football League record, uh, beating out Sebastian Janikowski. Well, I asked you about high point of the season. Let me ask you about the low point of the season. I think most obviously it's the firing of the head coach and GM over Thanksgiving weekend. But let's, you know, let's take that one out of the picture because that's the the giveaway. But, you know, what what were some of the low lights of this year? 
well, I'm a low life, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'd say that I think that the absolute bottom was uh, the loss to uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, 47 to seven. It didn't show up to play. They really didn't. And, and, and you know, the interim head coach, uh, uh, Daryl Bevel, uh, and four assistant coaches uh, weren't allowed to be with the team because of the COVID uh, policies, COVID protocols. And from start to finish, they just didn't didn't show up. And I, I saw too much of that, really, including that last game, you know, the last game with a – you know, that 40 yard touchdown catch and run by Chad Beebe just ran through two or three guys. And like I said, they weren't defenders, they were onlookers. Didn't make any great effort to, to, to bring them down. Yeah, it was but, kind of but, the struggles of the defense summed up in one play. Some struggles and, you know, and, and lack of struggling, you know, just sort of like accepting <laughs> your fate, you know. Uh, but but I, to me, it was, it was, to me, it was that, that Saturday game against the Bucks on CBS, on national television, to put that product on the field like he didn't care just tells me one thing. He didn't care. Right. Yeah, that was definitely – I would say that was mine as well. Another one, in addition to that Thanksgiving Day game, was the Carolina game the Sunday before because the lines were held scoreless. Their offense was really their strongest point this season, but the offense is held scoreless, and then you follow it up with the Thanksgiving Day game. But, and the, those two games back-to-back were, were definitely a low point. Yeah, and Tori just one other one, too. I mean, it, it ended the way it started, really, when they couldn't stop anybody. But another you know, the Chicago game where they've got uh, the Bears and the mighty uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who I'm probably higher on than most people are, actually. <laughs> but but he threw three fourth-quarter touchdown passes. No, Lions couldn't stop him. You look at it, you go, well, these are the guys you've given the, 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 the Defensive back that you've been free agency that you've signed in the last couple of years, and and, uh, and you're supposed to be better, and you're worse. Yeah, absolutely worse. And as as it went along, it was documented at the end. It was the most yards and most points they've given up in franchise history, and you know one of the worst in the history of the National Football League. Any team, and and the worst of all, you're being compared to the 2008 Detroit Lions who went 0 and 16. But I covered that team. And they played harder down the stretch than the, than the 2020 <laughs> Detroit Lions. They really did. We did talk about that on, on last week's, week's podcast. So if you want Mike's full thoughts on the 2008 team versus the 2020 team comparison, they're on last week's podcast. Uh, you know, Mike, it's obvious that when you have a season like you did, it's going to have more low lights than highlights. You don't change head coach and GM because he had mm-hmm. a ton of highlights. So – I think it's obvious that we picked out a few lowlights from this season. But lastly, I want to touch on, you know, we don't do Mike's Pick of the Week, so we'll call this Mike's Pick of the Future presented by MGM Grand Detroit, the king of sportsbooks. You know, as we look forward, what are some pieces that you feel like the Lions can bring into uh, the future of this franchise under their new GM and new head coach? Well, let me just start with some some guys. Look, you never know what's going to happen with contracts and, and and, and players who might say, look, I've had enough. I want to move on. But I think there are three or four veteran players, that, and, and there's more than that, but I thought the offensive line was a strength from center to left tackle in particular. You know, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, the rookie from, from well, four years at, at Rutgers, one year at Ohio State. If I were him, I'd want to be from Ohio State too. And and then Taylor Decker at, at left tackle, just a, not, not just an emerging good player, but really an emerging leader who who will speak up in, in a good and positive and constructive way. You know, I'd like to see Marvin Jones Jr. come back and, and Romeo Oquara 
and of course Matthew Stafford and a few others. But you know, looking at the young guys from the draft, uh, and I'm doing something on that for this upcoming uh, Monday at DetroitLions.com. Just looking at, at the draft picks, and it, you know, I can make a case that their best pick was the best, two best picks were the second, third, fifth, and sixth rounds. And in order, that would be uh, uh, DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. Uh, I've already mentioned Jonah Jackson, a third-round pick from Ohio State. Uh, Fifth-round, Quintez Cephas. Keep your peepers on this kid, man. Talk about when they when he drafted, he looked about his 40 time of the combine, 4.7-something. Well, a lot of guys have run slow and played great. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be great, but this looks like a 10-year wide receiver who knows how to play the game of football. And then John Penasini uh, from Utah. I mean, you, you, yeah. Troy, you've seen him play. What a stud in the middle there on that offensive line. Very underrated this season because of all the yeah. other struggles on defense. Absolutely. First two games of the season, he played special teams only. Games three and four, he was a rotational defensive tackle. And game weeks uh, five through 16, he was a full-time starter on the defensive line. I'll tell you what. You look at a guy who's built to play a position. He is built to be an interior defensive tackle. And trying to run through him is like hitting a fire hydrant on your bicycle. I mean, you're not going anywhere. He is just absolutely, I think he's, like I said, same thing about Cephas and a couple of the other guys. He's going to be a National Football League player for a long time. He is a good, good ball player. Well, Mike, that does it for our 2020 season series of the podcast. We've looked back now at what happened in 2020. We've looked ahead at what will happen this offseason. We still have plenty to talk about once this offseason starts really getting off the ground, Mike, but it's been a pleasure hanging out with you in the mornings all season long uh, to chat on this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed all your breakfasts. Uh, I really did. In fact, after about three or four weeks, I did not fear looking at the caller IDs to see who was calling. (laughs) (laughs) But you did the first few weeks. Absolutely. I should just, just, panic-stricken. I I understand. I completely understand. Well, I have a feeling we'll be talking to you sooner rather than later because of all the news that will be on the horizon for the Detroit Lions. But uh, for one last time for the 2020 season, Mike, thanks so much for hanging out with me on the podcast. Well, and thanks for having me. I appreciate it every minute of it. Well, and thank you guys for listening. We'll chat more in the offseason. BetMGM, an official partner of the Detroit Lions, is coming soon to Michigan. But you can sign up early and get $100 in free sports bets and $100 in free casino bets with bonus code LIONS. Be ready for the action the moment BetMGM goes live. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com to get a total of $200 in free bets with bonus code LIONS. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons.